0: and ride with me in my foul life
1: things been good for you
0: yeah it's been uh you know been busy but uh that's okay and um you know in terms of this this time of year is always pretty busy with with conferences so yeah, yeah. but yeah, i was out at i was in oklahoma city last week for the uh well, not the week before uh, for the animal science meeting, and uh, it was some really nice, really nice work being done in the. Of course, it's in the livestock side of things, but uh, on some, you know, fetal programming and and uh, heat stress. So that's that's interesting in terms of of how we're going to be able to move forward in similar areas for the for the dog.
1: Right. Is that, uh is, is that mainly what you kind of do this in the spring and summer? Is is gain as much information through science and research as you possibly can, and then go back and apply it to the to what you Canuba and Royal Canine is trying to achieve with their diets?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a few there's a few conferences, uh, Chad, that I really try to I'm going to say focus in on in terms of you know if we look at like I mean especially out of the laboratory and livestock segment you know from a physiology standpoint they have a let's just say they have a a um, much easier route in terms of biological sampling and uh, so in terms of that we try to I, i basically try to go and see you know what what information they're gaining as potential biomarkers that we can then apply to the to the dog, and uh, try to advance our knowledge of what's going on with the with the dog, without uh, you know I'm going to say invasively um, conducting research.
1: So, so, are you as far as you go, Russ? Are you conducting research throughout the entire year as well? With your duties, I mean, I know that you are a big part of the rollouts and, and, the, and the education part of these diets, and we're going to get into the new premium performance puppy pro that just rolled out. but mm-hmm. are you constantly in research mode also?
0: Uh, not constantly, so I, I, you know I have a really fun I have a really fun position with the with the company. Uh, I was in r& d for you know I'm going to say close to 25 years. And now I sit in the scientific affairs group, uh, but I still connect with R and D uh, on a, you know, global fashion. Um, I'm going to say more as a consultant type, internal consultant type role uh, for the discover, the discover team. Uh, but I am still involved with with uh, I'm going to say field studies for the North American business, uh, and then. With that, we sort of merge. I'm going to say global R&D efforts coming out of out of uh, the you know I'm going to say whether it be North America or Europe or Australia. You know, depending on what part of the world the research is being conducted at, uh, we will sort of merge their findings and then findings coming out of the the North American field studies uh, to try to. It, you know, I'm going to say put as much advancements
1: towards the sporting working dog nutrition
0: as we can.
1: Is is when it comes to sporting dog nutrition, and I always talk about this, and I relate it to hunting. As you hear a lot of people say things like, "Man, I wish I would have been hunting during the golden years, and you know the <laughs> the, the best years." Right? Like my grandpa was wearing rubber boots in negative degree temperatures, right? Like below zero temperature, not below zero, but below freezing temperatures. I feel like we're in the golden years now and innovation and technology and insulation and temperature control and water control and, and and just the gear keeping kids and women and men in the field longer and more comfortable and drier. Our guns are shooting better. Our bow and arrows are shooting better. Our ammunition is, do you feel that we're living in the golden age of the sporting dog right now when it comes to nutrition?
0: You know what? I'm going to say. I think the golden age is coming. Um,
1: you know, so it can I get better.
0: I, I absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're we are. Um, I'm going to say we're we're basically taking a, a, a shift right now, Chad. Where we are, <coughs> we are sort of in an in, in between area, our era, where we are moving from. Um, more subjective evaluations of, the, of a dog's performance to a more uh, quantitative assessment of that with, you know, with the use of, of biomarkers and um, some of the technology that allows us to really evaluate what's going on with the dog. And uh, you know, I, I think in, in terms of that, you're gonna see continued advancements um, you know, in, the, in the next five years. Uh, but then some some really major advancements in that, you know, five to 10, 15 year period. I think we're really going to to have some new technologies come to, to fruition that's really going to aid in terms of the of the dog's health and performance.
1: When when you say, you know, the health of a dog, I mm-hmm. want to, I, you know, a lot of I would. I don't know about if this is going to sound premature, but I think when a duck hunter is feeding their dog, they have one thing in mind, right? It's kind of like he or she performed unbelievable today. They didn't get any kibble during the hunt. Some hunters do. Some hunters don't. They I, feed them after. We don't want them out there on a full belly, exerting I, that much energy. They, we feed them after. And we look to the next hunt of waking up, that dog's ready to go at all times. It doesn't matter if they've slept for three minutes. We have no idea. They could have (laughs) the worst night's sleep in their life, but they jump up and they're ready to please again. I don't know how much health plays in the role of a duck hunter feeding their their duck dog their sporting dog you know what i'm saying russ it's like it's not like we're thinking like what's going on biologically inside of this animal that's going to keep him or her at their top peak performance into their 10 11 12 13 years of age you know once we get that age we start maybe starting another dog maybe even a little earlier than that but you know what i'm saying mr russ is like i don't know how much we really think about health quote unquote when it comes to feeding our dog
0: yeah. You know, in terms of that, I think you raise an excellent point. I mean, people, people too often, you know, they look at it and say, you know, what I'm looking for is to, to have a, you know, a go getter from age three to eight. Right. And then I'm going to start slowing it down as it, as it get, is getting older and, and start working a you know, preparing a new puppy to, to bring online. Um, but you know, with that, the dog is a—it is an amazing, an amazing species with regards to its, uh, I'm going to say, drive to work. You know, whether we're talking, you know, a Labrador or whether we're talking a, you know, an English Pointer or Upland or, or Waterfowl, regardless of the breed, um, you know, those those dogs are are genetically wired to, to go and work with us, and and they really do. Um, they put forth a lot of effort in terms of interacting with us to, to sort of please us. Um, and, you know, it's w- with that, with that comes responsibility by us to, to give them the best care. And that care package includes the best nutrition that we can uh, with regards to, to taking care of their bodies. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's certainly, um, you know, going to reach points where, age will eventually catch up with, with even the best cared for dog. But, but certainly, certainly um, you know, I think technologies are coming that are going to allow dogs to be, continue to be very performance, le- performance effective uh, well beyond where they are today. And, uh, you know, every once in a while we, we come across that sort of unique dog that's still, still able to, to give a lot of drive and, and uh, perform at 12, 13 plus, um, but, you know, I, I, I view it as, as sort of the, one of the, the roles of individuals like myself in that, we should make that the, I'm gonna say, we should not make that an exceptional dog. We should make that uh, where every dog has a has a chance to do that, it, you know, work as, as long as they can at the activities that they love.
1: And I love certainly- that. I love hearing that. I think that it's you're kinda of saying if I'm understanding it right, that we don't want to hear like, Oh man, that dog's unbelievable. He's fourteen years old and he's out there carrying twelve right. pound can of geese back. We want that to be the norm.
0: Absolutely. That's yeah. the goal. Yeah. And uh you know, and I think we I, I think we can get there. We're we're learning more and more about, you know, I'm gonna say what are the what are the critical nutrients that they need to, to thrive. And um, you know, we you know, we have to we, we have to move from a, a, a stage where, you know, I'm going to say right now, in terms of the, the pet food segment, you know, people are still talking, you know, protein, they're still talking fat, they're still talking ingredients, but, you know, in terms of that, we, we really need to take steps to, to advance, the you know, not only ourselves, but to advance the entire segment and to talking complete nutrition. So we're we're evaluating every nutrient that the dog needs to to be healthy and and thrive and um you know and, and whether we're you know whether we're getting those nutrients from x y or z is really not the point. The point is that we we're providing x, you know, we're providing x amount of this nutrient uh of which the the dogs of this type, you know, need and and uh You know, when we start talking, you know, protein and fat, which is the two common, I'm going to say, uh, nutrient classes that that there's a lot of discussion on. You know, I'm going to say very, very few, not uh, certainly there, there are individuals out there that recognize that those are nutrient classes, not nutrients. You know, when we start talking about what does what does protein, it is really the amino acids that make up that protein. Uh, that's that's really driving the the nutritional status of the dog and it's the fatty acids uh, of that fat that's that's driving the nutritional status of the dog Um, but we you know we talk very little about you know the vitamins and mineral uh, components of, of foods and you know when we when we look at like what they're involved in you know those those nutrients are you know, they are the driving force behind most of the metabolic processes that are taking place in the body. But we don't give them very much attention, uh, I'm going to say, outside of the, outside of the, scientific, uh, the scientist within the, the group. Uh, we're just not talking about it enough in terms of, of letting people know how important those type of nutrients are.
1: You just when you're referring to those type of nutrients, you're talking. You just said vitamins, and yeah. we're not talking about amino acids and proteins and fat. We're talking about actual vitamins and nutrients that aren't discussed enough. Can you give me a couple examples?
0: So whether you're talking about some, like some of the B complex vitamins, or are we're talking you know minerals uh, such as you know zinc or selenium, um, you know those are very very important. Nutrients that are involved with, you know, the not only the the digestive pathways that the dog has, but but also muscle contraction, um, you know, hair hair growth, uh, you know, skeletal skeletal metabolism or bone metabolism. All of those play critical roles in terms of the metabolic processes that take place every day. You know, so with every muscle contraction that a dog has those those nutrients are involved with that the physiological act of the muscle contraction and we have to you know in terms of that it's not just about protein and fat it is about the complete nutritional platform that that dog is receiving
1: okay that brings up a good point because i want to i want i want to make sure that our listeners have an idea of what has been launched lately. But I want to go a little bit before that and have Mr. Russell Kelly, who is obviously knows what he's talking about when it comes to the nutritional, the diet plan. What What is going into the research today to make sure that our duck dogs, our sporting dogs, and just our pets as a whole are living their best life? And I'm very interested in it because I'm in awe of dogs. I, mean, I am. I'm, I'm self-admittingly yeah. that I'm not in awe of cats. Now... <laughs> a, a, a mountain lion, I'm in awe of, okay? But a, a house cat, I'm not that in awe of. Uh, when I go to r- my uncle's ranch and I see what a cat can do to the mice population, the mouse population, that's cool. But I'm in awe of sporting dogs. So I want to talk about, okay, I want to get into the premium perform performance puppy pro that you were, played a huge role in, Mr. Russell Kelly. But let's back up a little bit before that puppy puts his or her snout into a bowl of dog food. The nutrition and, these, and, and the vitamins and the fatty acids and the, the proteins that you're discussing, when that dog is born and that litter is on the ground and they're with their mom and they're on the teat and they're doing what they do just like humans do, how important is this diet in that stage of a puppy's life when they are depending on their mom's diet to get to that next level of their life, if that question makes sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, certainly, certainly for, from a nutrition standpoint um, you know, the, the lactating female or you know, gestating and lactating female, you know, they may, there may not be a, ever a point in her life where the nutritional challenge is as great as that, that period of time, because she basically is taking in, uh, you know, I'm going to say she's taking in her, her diet, and assimilating that or, or processing that to where she can transfer to every nutrient that those developing puppies need. Uh, so in, in terms of that, you know, we don't have the, we don't have the opportunity to say, oh, you know what? I, I, I think I need to add this little bit of, you know, uh, this supplement or, or some other uh, supplement to, to their diet. Uh, because she's basically responsible for one hundred percent of their nutrition and that's that includes water and then well all of the nutrient classes so all of the water comes through her all of the the amino acids come through her all the fatty acids come through her all the vitamins come through her all the minerals come through her um, so when we look at we look at that it is a you know metabolic uh, it's the, the uh, I'm going to say the marathon of metabolic challenge in terms of her partitioning all of those nutrients into the milk that she provides to those puppies. And it's a, a huge amount of, of how well their, their, their start of life began. So in terms of, of that, the healthier that we can, uh, the better we can care for her, uh, the, the uh, gestating or lactating female the greater chance we have of having the healthier, healthiest puppies we can at the times when they enter into the independent living, so they're weaned and transition into into independent living, and then it and then it, at, at that point again we have to pick up and provide to those newly weaned puppies for the you know through their development period the best nutrition we can uh, with regard to to the development processes and. Uh, it really is. Uh, it it in terms of that the, the that early neonatal period is is truly a uh, you know another fascinating period of of how how fascinating this species is because they basically go from the you know the day they're wep well, they're they're blind they're deaf they had they don't have the ability to control their own body temp uh, so all of those things fall to the you know to the mother. Uh, to the to the female to take care of that but then you know six weeks late short weeks later you know here these these we have puppies running around uh getting ready to to move into independent living that's a pretty short period of time for them to go from a very immature you know whelped pup
1: to uh to a functioning puppy in six weeks truly amazing and then if you take the into consideration what they're doing not too far long after that like It, it 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 literally will blow your mind if you really sit there and go, wow, that dog just retrieved that and he or yeah. she has not been off of their mom for that long. It's almost like they were truly born with it. And obviously, we do understand that genetics play a huge role in breedings. Right. Um when you start talking about that neonatal period and that dog coming off of their mom at 6 weeks and they're and they're ready to, you know, start living their life. You know, there's some dependencies there what are we looking for as the owner and the handler now um, what are some of the specific importances at that point with this new puppy plan what in your opinion mr. Russell Kelly you canuba pro uh, this premium puppy pro what are we looking for now at that period as we move them into their own diet? What were some of the considerations of this new food that has been introduced to the market now for the puppy phase? Because I, if correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, um, pre-COVID when I was with you in Ohio, it was stated, and again, please correct me if I'm wrong, that the performance diet was uh, a, a puppy to death, correct? Was that not stated at one time?
0: Yeah, certainly uh I'm gonna say at one point um our when we when we had the Yukonuba premium performance uh thirty thirty twenty and it was a standalone performance diet, it was it was recommended for gestation and lactation. Um and as we I, I'm gonna say as we evaluated more and more we we felt like that we could uh make a better recommendation and and provide a better product for that i'm going to say for the gestation lactation period as well as the uh, development period for these puppies by really focusing in on the nutrients that they need uh and a little bit of their their system uh development and we'll talk we'll talk more in terms of clarification so with that we elected to uh i'm going to say position our new performance line so in terms of that with the sprint exercise sport and work products um, we elected to, to move those to more of an adult performance type nutrient matrix and then back that up by bringing uh, launching this new puppy pro uh, product that is really focused in on a um you know, from a from a digestibility standpoint, the puppies, the puppies digestive systems are immature, like a lot of systems, so they don't they uh, they don't function as a as high a level as the adult dog. So we we took steps to try to improve the, the digestibility. Um, we certainly know that from an immune standpoint, their immune systems are immature as well. So we basically brought into this puppy food. Uh, nutrients that fortify and target, uh, that basically aid, aid in the immune function of these, these puppies. Um, with that, we, we also know that there are, you know, behavioral, behavioral traits that come with this. And, and a lot of these sporting and working puppies, uh, they tend to be pretty, let's just say, pretty aggressive eaters uh, because they, they, are, they are genetically wired, uh, to have high drives. So a lot of those puppies do have a pretty high appetite. So, you know, even with the kibble design of this, we, we developed a kibble that encourages or promotes more chewing from the puppy. Uh, so with that, their, their intakes become slowed down, hopefully. Um, and that's an, that's an important part because in, in terms of that, if we can get these puppies to, to chew as puppies, hopefully they're going to, they're going to retain that sort of feeding behavior as they enter into the adult, adult period, and not just be wolfers, you know, in terms of, of, you know, eating in 15 seconds, they're going to, they're going to slow down chew their food, and all that's going to aid in terms of of them extracting nutrients from the, the the food that we're providing, and uh, help them, you know, help them their entire life. I think if we, uh, you know, if we look at, you know, the big, the big components, I mean, certainly from an immune standpoint, the the puppy is a very different animal than is the adult. So with that, you know, we're talking about uh, the gastrointestinal tract or the GI system, Um, you know, certainly that is maturing. And with that, you know, we need to provide uh, ingredients and, and nutrients that help promote a good development uh, with that, and that includes the the bacteria that reside within the GI tract, and so we we basically have looked at that and said, okay, what you know, what functional fibers or prebiotics do we need to include in a puppy diet, and what level versus like the adult? So we're trying to, in terms of the puppy, we have to think about that that's a developing system, in the adult. It's a maintenance system. So we're basically trying to, to make sure that, that that system remains healthy. But on the puppy side, we're, we're basically trying to build build a healthy system. Uh, so the exact you know, types and levels of, of the functional fibers uh, we've given some thought to. But certainly from an immune standpoint, if we think about uh, you know, taking a, taking a puppy, picking it up from the, the uh, breeder, Taking it home and then starting to introduce it to the field, almost every environment, every day that we take that puppy out, it's a it's a new environment that that puppy's seeing, right? So they're going right. out, they're they're exploring the world, but yet their their immune system is not a, it's not an adult type, it's not at an adult level. Uh, so with that, what we want to basically try to do is is provide a nutritional platform that promotes that, the natural defenses of that puppy's immune system uh, to function. And that, you know, when we look at, like, what, what do we include in terms of, of, you know, the puppy pro diet? I mean, it's, it's basically got targeted levels of, of, you know, vitamin C, vitamin E, uh, the, the um, carotenoids, lutein and, and beta carotene, uh, beta glycans. And taurine, these are all, you know, we have other nutrients as well, but those are, are some of the nutrients that we specifically targeted at, at certain levels to try to promote immune, fun- or immune growth and development in those puppies to protect them. Uh, because they are, they are exploring the world for the first time. And every day we take them out there, they come across new challenges that their body has to adapt to and uh, be able to you know i'm going to say to appropriately respond if they you know drink from a you know they come across the stagnant (laughs) puddle of water right puppies are puppies are prone to stick their stick their noses down in that and uh, maybe take a, a drink or a lap or two of that water and you know that water probably has has things in it that their their system haven't seen before so we we have to you know we have to prepare them to Take on those challenges that they see on a day-to-day basis.
1: One thing I want you to reiterate on Mr. Russ, if you don't mind, is when you talked about the the how dogs tend to eat fast. And I've had a I've had been around a lot of dogs when they eat, and they do. How important is that stage of from puppy to adolescence to adulthood in continuing that type of feeding process? Do these slow feed bulls work? Are they recommended by somebody with your status? And why have I not really seen the fast feeding affect the dogs that we have? Um, I do have several dogs that we hunt with, and I don't use a slow feed bowl at this point, you know, when they're a year old and older. Um, I... Do you recommend that, or is it case by case study? And what are we looking for to take that step of saying, okay, I'm going to go get a slow feed bowl and make this a commonality throughout this dog's entire life?
0: Yeah, so i think in terms of of that i mean we, we have seen I, I would say that i would argue that people have seen sort of consequences of that and but we we've sort of adapted our our you know feed timings and and uh things of that nature to to make up for some of those you know where we don't see as many of those negative consequences so in, in terms of you know we don't we don't tend to to go out and work our dogs with full, with full stomachs. And, uh, you know, we do that for, for a reason is that, that it can cause some pretty severe negative consequences. Uh, but, w- you know, with that dogs may also tend to, to, re- you know, vomit and, and uh, lose what nutrition they have. But, you know, in terms of that, I will, I will give you examples that, you know, not, a, it's not common, but, you know, periodically you do hear of a, hear of a a puppy that, you know, basically, uh, you know, I'm going to say inadvertently takes in a, a whole kibble that, that could block its trachea. Uh, and, and most of that, most of the time it happens in a puppy that's, that let's just say that tends to be on the, the more faster eating size. And, uh, You know, recently I had a, you know, I I had an individual call me that they had lost a puppy for this very reason that it had uh, asphyxiated with a a blockage, airway blockage from a, a, from a whole kibble. And, uh, you know, with that, even though, you know, I'm going to say, even though that, uh, you know, it does, it's, it's not common you know, it does tend to associate with these puppies that are, when we do hear about it, it's it's one of these puppies that are really, really aggressive eaters. And, you uh, know, I think in, in terms of that, there's, you know, there's no guarantee that the new kibble design that we use is not, is not going to prevent a puppy from being an aggressive eater. But the the shape of it certainly will, we find that it encourages puppies to chew more. Um, you know, so they're 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 less likely to be swallowing whole kibbles, um, than breaking the kibble up in their mouth, and slowing it down, and uh, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully that's going to prevent any, you know, any unfortunate uh, accident or loss of a puppy, regardless of how uncommon it
1: is, it does go on. Wow, that's kind of like that's big time research to actually consider the shape of the kibble in the dietary process and the in the digestive process the 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 preventative part of it and the choking and blocking that diaphragm like you said that's pretty that's pretty key in the study that you had to attain and let's make sure that the listeners know mr russ that you guys don't just do it and be like oh okay we're going to sample it on one dog this is uh, uh uh an organization that has a lot of pets and dogs that you get to test consistently in this process. Um, and then the program of how you guys, dis, you know, disperse these pets to your employees and to other rightful owners and trustworthy owners is absolutely amazing. But the, the the shape of the kibble plays a role in the digestive part of this new puppy performance pro. And then please take it from there on to the next stages of life with that slow feed bull. Is it important for a four-year-old to con- to consider this as well.
0: I I think in terms of the yeah you know, I'm going to say in terms of like the the research. So I mean we ha- we have the I'm going to say fortunate existence to to be you know part of a of a pretty large organization in terms of like the the kibble shape that we use in the Puppy Pro that actually came out of our our raw canine brand uh for the labrador so that was that was a uh kibble shape that was specifically designed developed for the labrador retriever because you know very few very few uh dogs eat faster than a labrador right <laughs> oh, <laughs> they are, yeah.
1: uh
0: so so with that it, it uh that kibble shape was developed for the labrador retriever and then the puppy size of course for the for the labrador puppy um but we looked at it you know, from a from a sporting and working dog, this rapid in this rapid eating is pretty pretty common across all of the, the working and sporting dog puppies. So we elected to 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 basically reapply that technology uh, into the to this product uh, specifically with that in mind, is to encourage the chewing by the by the puppies that you know I'm going to say the type of puppies that tend to, to want to eat fast. Um, so you know with that we 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 do that. And then, as you were talking about how does that transition in terms of of adulthood, um, uh, you know, dogs are, you know they are associative learners, and uh, you know, so with that, you know habits that they form as puppies, they tend to keep as adults, and that's you know that's the reason we start when we're we're training dogs, uh, even when they're when they're young. Uh, we do it in a not as intense, but, you know, we do it in a similar manner that we expect or we we desire them to do as an adults. So as they develop these habits, uh, you know, it, it's a, a, a habit that they carry into adulthood. And if they you know, if we can encourage them to be slower eaters when they're puppies, um, we have a you know, likelihood of them being a slower eater and chewing Uh, when they're adults and with that you know it's much i'm going to say if we look at from a you know from a kibble standpoint do we do we anticipate that a kibble that that is chewed um being having better digestibility than a kibble that's just swallowed whole uh, you know we don't have I, i would say we don't have strict scientific numbers on it but uh, you know. With that said, we we can speculate that a, a, I'm going to say a smaller uh, particle size, and that's being worked on by the digestive tract is going to be uh, more more completely digested than something that's still intact when it enters into the in, into the digestive components of the GI tract, uh, and you know, with that. With that said, I think any time that that uh, you know we can extract maximum amounts of nutrients from the, the from the meal, um, that's that's a benefit. And uh, you know, with that, that leads leads into like meal size. I mean, certainly for for me, I know a lot of you know a lot of the sporting and working dogs. Uh, you know, people will rely upon a single meal a day. You know, I I don't particularly recommend that i i try to to say even if they don't want to feed in the morning to take a you know take that evening meal and try to divide it into into multiple meals because we do know that the volume that a dog eats can have you know large volumes of of food can decrease the, the the digestive efficiency of that dog and we you know it can impact um you know their stool scores can impact how you know the the effectiveness of their their bodies with regard to to harvesting the nutrients and uh you know with that if we're you know with that that's one of the reasons why you know when we're really pushing dogs on a on a on a physical activity basis you know we go to these we go to these performance type foods these high energy density diets and that's to basically decrease not not only to to basically uh, we're not doing it just to, to say we're going to get more energy because we could we could simply say oh you know what we'll just feed ten cups but that trying to feed that level of food uh, is a is a negative in terms of their functionality so we go to a performance type food where we're only having to provide you know three or four cups of food a day um, but you know with that said even if if we're talking about you know a going to a single meal you know i really i mean in terms of my dogs i manage them even even from a a standpoint if i'm going out i i try to give them a small breakfast uh you know maybe you know it may be if if they're eating four cups of food a day it may be only one cup of food in the morning uh you know a couple hours before i go out and work them but i try to you know i try not to take them out on a complete fasted basis and uh if I'm going to, if I don't have the opportunity to, to do that, you know, a couple hours before they work, uh, then I, I, when I get back home, I let them cool down. I offer a, you know, a small meal, let them, let them get, get uh, rehydrated. And then I'll offer, a, a, you know, the rest of the meal a little, a few hours later. And the, the big key to that is re making sure the dog rehydrates and stays. In a good hydration state, uh, state when they're out working, uh, in terms of in terms of that, that's going to be a a really big critical um, to say consideration with regards to their performance level is how well hydrated they are, and uh, you know we certainly don't we don't want to uh, do anything that's going to decrease the the hydration rate of the dog because that's going to that's going to be the quickest. Um, downturn in terms of, of health uh, and performance is a dog that's that's battling dehydration.
1: Yeah, I think that's a big part of our lives too as humans. We don't hydrate nearly enough um, in a lot of instances from what I've been figuring out you know personally myself. So when you put it in terms of a dog, it's easy to overlook the hydration process of a dog because again, they don't want to quit and it's oh, we got yeah. we got to take it upon ourselves to make sure is there is can you force a dog to water because i've seen instances mr russ that you get back from a heavy training segment and they just want to keep going do you right. just leave them alone and let them be alone with that water and hope that they drink it or or what would you recommend there
0: yeah i mean certainly there are little you know there are little tricks we can do um you know we can we can do what's called water baiting uh, which would be t- to take, like, a you know, I'm gonna say a little spoonful of canned canned food or um, you know, something that's a, a really high, high drive reward for that dog. And uh, you can, you know, drop it down in, in a bucket of water. And, um, you know, a lot of times dogs will, will, you know, they will try to drink the water to, to be able to get down and get that food because they can, they can certainly smell the you know, the fats that are in that, that canned food, they can smell it through the water. Uh, they have great That's noses. Good. And uh, so with that, but you can also, you know, with that, when, like I was talking about, when, when you come back home and the dog cools down and you're going to offer that, you know, that first meal uh, you could do like a food floating, which is basically, the, you know, if it's one, one cup of food or two cups of food, uh, you know, just to to add two or three two or three cups of of cool water to that food, not soaked, but just uh, pour the water onto the food. And a lot of times the dogs will drink that water um, and then they'll eat the eat the food. I mean that's 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 certainly uh, you know a, a good a good practice. Um, you know, and and I think the other thing too, when since we're, we were earlier talking about puppies, You know, when these puppies are are young, that is a perfect time to sort of get them comfortable with just drinking out of a, you know, some type of bottle or, um, you know, coming to us uh, just to, to, you know, whether we're carrying a collapsible bowl out in the field or, or, you know, using a a squirt bottle, um, you know, getting those dogs, those puppies comfortable with with coming and getting water that way. I, I. You know, that is one of the, I'm going to say, early things that I do with, with, if I get a puppy, um, I use a, you know, one of the little, I'm going to say it's just a sort of a nipple topped water bottle that I I always have it with me out in the field, Um, you know, but when those puppies are, are pretty young, I go ahead and I start right then getting them comfortable with coming up and just getting a little water out of that because, you know, every you know, when I'm out in the field, it's, got, you, it's hard to predict what the weather's going to be. And uh, I want that dog checking back in with me to, you know, come in and get some water uh, to increase the chances I've got of keeping it hydrated. I mean, dogs, dogs use a lot of water uh, when they're, you know, I'm going to say when they're working hard, if we're, you know, some of the uh, work out of, out of Oklahoma State and other universities, you know, you're talking about a, you know, a 50, 60 pound dog. Um, you know, those dogs will can lose up to like a gallon and a half of water a day. If it's, if it's warm and they're working hard. And, uh, you know, if you ask a lot of people, you know, how much dog, how much water does your dog drink every day? And that's like, I, I don't know. You know, I, I give them a bucket or, you know, they've got free, free, uh, free access to water. So they drink what they want though. Uh, now that's not a good, that's not a good management practice when it comes to being out in the field. I mean, we really need to understand how much, how much is our dogs drinking. And, uh, and if, and if they're not, you know, if they're not great drinkers, then, you know, we need to pay close attention to, of what's going on with them. And it may be that we have to say, okay, we're going to take a, you know, five, 10 minute break here. And, uh, try to get some water in that dog and uh, because we don't want them getting themselves
1: in trouble very important um during the hunt you know there's a lot of things that can be overlooked by any hunter with the adrenaline the amount of work that goes into it Um, you you get a certain window during a lot of waterfowl hunts where the birds are are coming off of their roost and they're feeding or they're transitioning and, you know, different times of the day that hunt could be over um, and it might've lasted two hours and we neglected that hydration part. So it's always smart to keep that in mind and have that part of your daily arsenal and your gear, you know, and your gear package and your blind bag is a a watering bowl and, and extra water for that dog because I've seen Axel pick up 140 snow geese in one hunt and, and, and tongues hanging out and he wants more. You got to bring him over and give him a break and make sure you get him up on the levee and get that water in a bowl and let him lap it up. And, and, but again, it's, it's forward thinking and it's making sure that you're organized and, and making that part of your organization and time management of the hunt because we're, we're dealing with another living animal here and I still think that a lot of it gets overlooked during certain parts of training and and hunting um, because we're so focused on their dedication and their drive and their give you know they never want to quit so just th- this information from Mr. Russell Kelly at Yukonuba premium performance is unbelievable I love it we keep all of this in mind and in intact during the entire summer the spring the summer the fall the winter i mean it's every part of the year we have our dogs involved with us and it's it's key to keep them healthy obviously um, with the new puppy diet mr russ um, when do we know it's time to transition into the performance um, is there a certain timeline and schedule that you is going to tell your are in consumer and customer and 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 food feeder Hey, it's time to go, or is it a case by case study again to where it might be a maturity thing with that dog they might not be ready to come off the puppy um like their like m- maybe one of their litter mates is
0: and, and a lot of that it, it is going to be an individual you know sort of case by case basis i mean certainly certainly the the new uh puppy pro diet is a it is a really it is a really nice design diet um, that is capable of carrying. I'm going to say it, a lot of these sporting dog puppies on into their you know like up to their second second year or beyond, uh, and it's really going to come down to appropriately matching the workload uh, to the to the puppy's diet. So there's going to be there's going to be puppies that at six months they're being they're being worked and, and trained and conditioned to a point where they may need to step up go ahead and step up to the the 30-20 sport uh, just to increase the amount of energy that they're taking in Uh, and there may be you know times where the you know the puppy gets to be you know let's say 12 months old but it's a it's more of a weekend type setup so with that the they the puppy pro may be a little too much nutrition for those puppies and they're starting to to i'm going to say show some signs of of inappropriately gaining weight and we may need to drop those back down to the like the x the 2616 exercise product um you know so with that it's going to be a, a case by case basis of really matching uh matching the the energy requirement for for the puppy and and balancing out the the development process i mean certainly Certainly on the, I'm going to say on the weight gain side of it, uh, you know, there we're, we're probably looking at 12 plus months, but on the, on the opposite side of that, you know, I, not to say that we encourage it, but we all know that there are puppies that are, that are pushed pretty early. They're there. Uh, they've got the, they've got the drive and, and the owner just has a little bit of a tough time being as patient as he should with that, that puppy. And, and by six months they're being pushed pretty hard and uh you know in in terms of that 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 particular puppy may need more energy than than what's in this puppy pro and they have to they have to step up one more layer um you know my preference would be that they they be patient with the puppy and allow it to uh properly mature and and develop and uh you know not not to push it that hard until uh until they're mature but that doesn't that doesn't always occur
1: all right we're going into the Yukonuba hot seat with mr russell kelly he doesn't have any idea what i'm getting ready to ask but i'm going to put him on the spot he can kind of give me the shutdown or thumbs down if he doesn't want to answer what is the most what is your favorite or tell me just right now what is the most high performance most impressive breed of dog there is oh man (laughs)
0: that is a tough one that is a certainly they they're all unique in terms of uh, in terms of their uh, ability you know in in terms of myself I I will say that uh, my my all-time favorite favorite dog that I've owned uh, I, I guess the top two of that are were both Labrador retrievers I love the you know, I love the heart of the of them. I love the the interaction that they give. Um, in terms of of absolute work, ah oh, man, I don't know. In terms of that, it is it is hard to it is hard to not uh, I'm going to say push a a Belgian Malinois up on top of the podium when it comes to to willingness and drive to work. But uh, certainly, some of the upland upland breeds are are pretty, pretty well as well. So I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know that I could say what is you know, all time dog, but, uh, they're, they're all wonderful dogs. And, uh, I don't know. I, I respect them all and, and love them all, but, but, uh, I don't know. I, I I guess in terms of that, if you told me, you know, you can only have one, one more dog in your life, I'd probably, I'd probably look at a, labrador retriever
1: you know for myself does it matter the color
0: well it it, it
1: does <laughs> for me uh, are, uh, you know, going, I, are you going chocolate mr russell i probably would i probably wouldn't uh,
0: <laughs> you know probably i probably would uh you know if i if i like again if i could only have one i'd probably want black but uh i've had some awful i've had some awful good yellow ones too
1: um uh, Second question on the hot seat right here by Yukonuba Premium performance. Duck hunt, a lot of retrieves. I forgot the kibble. Don't have any of any kind of marketable, uh, you know, something that's on the market for a dog protein bar snack. But I do have an extra Chick-fil-A or Mr. Bojangles biscuit. Do you do it or do you not do it and you just stay patient and do a little kibble like you talked about a little while ago in this conversation, you know, with a couple, maybe a little bit of food after and let them cool off a little bit. Do we feed our dogs human snacks in the blind? Is it okay once in a while or do we shy away from that 100 percent?
0: I mean, certainly it's not encouraged, Uh, but, you know, under the under the right circumstances, if you're if you're telling me you're going to be in a blind you know all day long and you forgot you you forgot you know to you know certainly the i would i would i guess I would rather see you do a little you know occasional snack with the dog than to to basically try to just continually work it fasted so in in terms of you know it's the dog and i, and I, I don't like to make this you know say you know like us uh, because they are certainly a very different species than the than the human um, but you know with that you would not anticipate that that you know someone going to to work to do a a physically demanding job would do it as well if they didn't eat and uh and you know especially if they, if you're not maybe that maybe that first day is okay, but that you know that second day. The energy reserves start, you know, start being challenged, and and you know the dogs, their hearts will will basically overcome, and we may not we may not see a, you know, a noticeable decline in terms of their performance, but but certainly it's not a healthy healthy type scenario for those dogs to be out working in a in a severely fasted state, and uh, so if you're if you're basically don't have access to get uh food and you forgot it um then you know i'd probably give you a pass if you were going to give it a little bit of your sandwich
1: very well said last question on the Yukonuba hot seat mr russell kelly would you rather you could say it might be your last hunt okay it's your last hunt do you want to see a point pointing lab or a pointer over a pheasant or a grouse, or do you want to see mallard ducks called into a decoy spread (laughs) with a shot called set with your hunting partner, say, take them, you stand up, harvest a few and get to see that dog. And it's his or her glory swimming with a mouthful of feathers back to put it on the strap. What hunt do you choose?
0: Oh man. I don't know if I could, that's a, that is a tough one there. The, uh, (laughs) man, I don't know if I,
1: are you trying to say you like them both the same
0: i i you know what i i i will say that uh you know i'm gonna one of my my all-time favorite memories are are basically i'm gonna say bob white hunting i love i love to see a pointing dog over a covey rise uh, but I, you know what i love to see i love to see a, a good waterfowl dog work as well and uh you know certainly from I don't know that I could pick that. I, you know, maybe it, maybe it would come down to who have I got to go with? <laughs> who am I going to spend the day with? Uh,
1: Way good with answer it,
0: and, in terms of of that because uh, you know they're both they're both great activities and and uh, you know when we when we talk about those dogs you know they're working in a, a little different manner in terms of of that but but certainly the 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 uh, enthusiasm that they Move into those activities is is really uh, impressive. It is it is just one of the, it's inspiring to watch a good dog work.
1: And uh, we're ending the conversation on that. That was well said. Inspiring. <laughs> that is. That is really what it is. I mean, to, to know what they put into a hunt and know that they're always there to please—it's—it's—it's it's, it's truly an amazing. Like we started this conversation, they have me in awe and my jaw on yeah. the ground so much. Yeah. I mean, I've seen pointers in the rim rocks of Nevada and Idaho on a on a on a chucker covey rise, and you're just like the amount of time we put in today and the hills that we climbed and they're still just gung-ho and then the labs to wake up and do what we do in boats and cold water and obviously I want to get into another conversation in the near future, Mr. Russell Kelly, Yukonuba premium performance about temperature control and body temperature and how we need to pay attention to this during this time of the year when it's 100 degrees out and then we move into the fall to where it transitions a little bit. I want to talk about cold water and that first jump into it and how do we get our dogs ready for that because there is a such thing as what we call drop tail and other things that can happen to a dog pulled muscles aches and pains if we don't prepare him or her right for that first swim of the year Um, and then i want to get into once they're back in the blind what controls we can have um and and manage that process of body temperature in between goes and when is it time to call it quits when the ducks are flying so good when is it time to call it quits for that dog's health and for the you know, for for his longevity, her longevity of being by your side for more and more hunts. We're gonna have lots more to come with Russell Kelly, you canuba premium performance. Thank you for being here, my man. Thank you for the unbelievable product that you produce on a daily basis with you and your team. I know that you give a lot of credit to your team, but you too, sir, deserve a lot of credit. You guys are doing a great job for the sporting dog and hunting community. Thank you very much, Mr. Russell Kelly. Yeah, it's been a great, great chatting with you. So Yes, sir. We'll do it again soon, please. All right. That is Yukonuba. Duck Dogs Podcast, part of the Foul Life Podcast series. Thank you all for being here. Brand new episodes. You can see right now, this week on the outdoor channel, Benelli's The Foul Life. We have Yukonuba Dog Tips with Mossy Pond's own Brad Errington, who is part of Team Yukonuba. We're going over handling, hand signals, whistle stops, and how to make it easier for that dog for vision and for his audio, her audio during that hunt. We got to make it as easy as possible because they are doing the work once that shot is called and the birds are down, dead birds we go over it all this week on benelli's the foul life with brad errington another teammate of team Yukonuba on benelli's the foul life season 14 thank you all for being here thank you for the subscriptions and the downloads we'll see you soon in another episode of the foul life podcast Yukonuba duck dog series this song is called my foul life it's by the band 2 a.m logic